Hey, everybody. Hanging in there. It's so good to be together. I know our team has said how much fun this is to kind of be back in the same room, and we've tried this, and every time we've tried it, the next week there's severe lockdown, so we'll just pray that this is not the week that that happens again. But we have, we have some good vibes about the coming weeks uh, and just what's going to happen, so we're thrilled you're here. And here's the deal. We're really purposing over the next number of weeks to, and, and really kind of in a new rhythm for us, to implement prayer as part of our gathering. We want to really embed a strong sense of prayer and these practices, and then as well, this call in our gatherings to kind of come to the table at the end is our hope. And so we're just going to kind of do this together as a family and see where it goes. We're really thankful for this space in the meantime. And we just hope you can join us each and every single week in these summer evenings as we worship and celebrate together. Now, today, we are not going to have a traditional bread and cup like we would where we get you to come out of your seats and go to the back and then come back. We have actually a safe way of doing that that will start next week. But today, the table is a food truck. You're welcome. There's a food truck to my left. You're right. You can look out the window right now or the door and you can see it. And on that food truck is gourmet mac and cheese. And so what we're going to do is that is going to be the table. You're going to take your family out after and you can go and that's on us. If you want, um, some people were asking, they want to make a donation. You can totally make a donation. But other than that, this is uh, on, on us as a way just to say thanks for joining us and getting back together. And we're just really anticipating the coming months. With that said, if you have a Bible you want to open with me quickly, I'm going to take a few minutes around the scriptures and kind of close our evening with some worship. So it's, we're going to go fairly quickly here. We're going to try over these evenings to keep our gatherings to around an hour, just with the kiddos and everything. But I do think it's important to take a few minutes and come around the scriptures. Now, it just kind of happened off the cuff. We did not have any really series planned um, post-Easter because of some of the disorientation with COVID lockdowns. And what kind of happened is, is we started to kind of do one-off things, and we talked about a number of things from creation care to racism to nonviolence, which is uh, something I'm very passionate about, and kind of these one-off topics in our cultural moment. And then a couple of weeks ago at Pentecost, we got into the Holy Spirit. And they're just people, and I'm, I would imagine there, there's people in our community, I know this, and some of you, that have a lot of questions around the Holy Spirit. For most, the Holy Spirit is the weird uncle of the Trinity. You with me? It's just, anybody have one of those weird uncles? This is what we do. You're like, that's my brother, whatever. That's true, that's true too. Um, but I just think, I think about many of the misconceptions when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit and primarily to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we talked a couple weeks ago about the gifts of the Holy Spirit What's tough about that is the word spiritual and the word gift are never really used together in Scripture. We use it in English, but the, Paul uses this Greek word pneumatikos, which is really just this idea, the way a lot of people translate it is the stuff the Spirit does or things the Spirit does. And for me, that's just such a much more beautiful picture of what we would call the spiritual gifts. You know, one of the things we're trying to dismantle is this idea that somehow somebody would have one gift and another person would have another gift and that's it. Some of you have probably got caught in the cog, the spiritual gifts cog, where you go to either a spiritual gifts test, anybody with me, or you go online or you do something and you try and find that one thing that's far away that you can kind of bring into your life. 
Actually, Paul's vision for the spirituals or the things or the stuff the Spirit does is that they're all open to anybody and that we should just come with lives that are just postured and open in community to God using and working us. There's not, uh, I, would, I would really push back on this idea that there's one thing that we kind of grab and take. A lot of times we do this, do this in the Western world. There's people that claim kind of healing ministries. And we would say, we're just all open to all of these things and that even the list that Paul gives are not exhaustive. And so we've just been saying, we want to be this community that's just open to the Holy Spirit. Can I get a few head nods behind the masks? This is not a denominational thing. There is nobody over me trying to tell you about the Holy Spirit because of a denomination or what we're a part of. Other than the fact, it's really hard to be a Christian without any focus or emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And I've just been saying, you know, the, the, the moment we're in is really Jesus-centered, and that's a good thing. There's the Jesus Collective popping up and these gospel-centered movements all over the place. Amazing. But I just want to remind us that we don't know who Jesus is without the Holy Spirit. And so I think we need a Holy Spirit collective. We need a Holy Spirit revolution. That's not what some of you automatically go to in your minds where you're like, oh man, that was my childhood. The flags, I left my flags at home, okay? I searched a bit in the back, couldn't find any. You're okay today, right? Some of you, I get it. You've had these experiences. But I just want to be a community that's just open to what the Spirit wants to do. You with me? All right, so you open up in Acts 11, and Acts 11 is absolutely fascinating to me because it is really a case study on the church in Antioch. What we get is a picture in Acts 11 of the gospel spreading everywhere, and one of the things that's happening is the apostles are now taking this good news to the world, and it actually says this, if you read it with me, Acts 11, it'll be up on the screen because we're together, and it's Sunday night. It says this, Dr. Luke writes, now those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveling as far as these places, including Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news of the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And then it says, news of this reached to the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw that the grace of God, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarshish to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people, and the disciples were called Christians. This was the first time that followers of Jesus were called Christians, first in Antioch, and uh, verse 27, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, one of them named Agabus, Anybody need a baby, baby name? I know we've just had a few babies. There's a baby name right there, Agabus. Stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. And the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Flip over a couple chapters, a couple more verses. Acts chapter 13. Same church, exact same church, says this of the church in Antioch. It says, now, 
in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, uh, uh, Barnabas, Simon, Lucius, and Cyre- uh, Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And when they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, tons there. I read really fast because there's a food truck to my left, your right, okay? So like, I'm with you. I'm with you. I can feel it. I can sense it. It's the spirit and the food truck. It's kind of just working together. It's good. A lot here, but here's the thing. We hear about this church, and we actually get glimpses of how the Holy Spirit works through the church. And there's a lot of times we miss this. We miss that as a community, as a Jesus community practices together, it opens itself up for the Spirit to work in and through them. And actually, the church in Antioch is a beautiful picture for us of a church that was just wide open in their practices and in how they moved as a community together so that the Spirit came in and did this work amongst them, amongst the apostles. And actually, we'll learn it in a couple minutes, that actually this church, if it wasn't for this church in Antioch, the whole known world, uh, the whole Greek world at the time, probably wouldn't have got the gospel. And it's actually really clear here. This is, this is, I think, important for us just to think through. There's actually a few things that this church in Antioch was doing and practicing as new Christians and as a new Christian community that really enabled the Spirit to move within them. I think sometimes, and prayer is amazing, don't get me wrong, but I think there's sometimes and moments where we just want God to do stuff. I hear this all the time when I meet with people. They want the church to be alive in Canada, but do they want to show up? I know a lot of people that want God to move in our land from coast to coast, but it actually takes the church practicing together for God to move and work in it. Here's three things, just really quickly, that this church was doing that opened them up to work of the Spirit. One, they were learners. They were learners. We hear this explicitly in Luke's language here. Listen to what uh, verse 26 says. It says, For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. This was a learning community. The apostles come, and for a whole freaking year, they are learning under these apostles the way of Jesus. One theologian, he puts it like this. What prepared the church in Antioch to receive the prophetic word was not a flurry of prophetic words or a spell of ecstatic experiences, and there was my childhood, I'm in therapy for that one, right? Anybody with me? Or an outbreak of the spirit with physical symptoms, you know, kind of chasing stuff. That's not what was happening here in Antioch. What prepared the church, this theologian says, to receive the prophetic word was learning, was learning. The church is actually to be called a a learning community. It's interesting that the word to teach is matheteo in Greek, not not nerding out on you, but this is actually fascinating. The Greek word is to teach is matheteo, and many of you know the Greek word for disciple is mathetes. 
Same root word. So when you hear the word, if you were like a first century, you knew Koine Greek, and you heard the word disciple, mathetes, what would be the first thing that would enter your mind and imagination? That these people are learners. It's just fascinating to me right now, the moment we're in, because churches all over the place in Canada are going to start regathering. There's going to be tons of talk in how we kind of come back together. I, I think the big conversation this week is, uh, the, the word should be relaunch. We're not just kind of like doing things as normal. We should be relaunching. And while I'm all for all of that, my fear would be is that we just kind of create communities that try and draw people in and we miss out on the fact that one of the things the Spirit does within us is we are a learning community. We're learning. This is what it means. And this is why the church at times needs to slow down and come around the scriptures, and this is why we have tried to create a place here where we don't sell ourselves short. I don't think things have to be shot. I actually think that we can be this community, and for the Hebrew people, it was called the house of learning. They would come to synagogue, and they would learn what it means to follow God, and I, I just hope that our community could be a place where, just like the church in Antioch, we would just be this learning community, and please, Please don't sell yourself short, okay? And, and I, you, know, you know how I know this? It's because, well, first of all, I know this because a few years ago, I threw out my back, okay? And uh, I was on my back for two weeks. It was right around Christmas time. And so what I did, because I wasn't really fluent in Star Wars, is I watched every single Star Wars movie, and I watched many of them with my boys. And some of you, like, you want to talk about the Spirit's work? There it is right there for some of you. Like, you got into Star Wars. Amazing. Good for you. And so I'm watching these movies, and I actually sat down and mapped out the canon of Star Wars for my boys. I told them about the three original movies that were actually four, five, and six, and I talked about them, about the prequel, and you're just, you're going to get it. Where's, you should be just like waving a hanky. You think I've been like really converted. This is great. And I, I show them this, and I got thinking as I'm showing my boys the canon of Star Wars, how oftentimes we sell ourselves short. For some of you, you, you talk about Harry Potter and you like know Harry Potter's genogram, like the, 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 the family tree of Harry Potter to generations. And then when we get to the scriptures, a lot of times what we do is we just sell ourselves short. Now we just need, you know, what we really need is just something that will encourage me and take me to the next level. And th th none of that's bad. I think actually what we need to do, and I think this is for the church of the future in our moment, is to slow down and become learners and learn what it means to follow Jesus. And yes, God has a plan for you, and he's calling you to beautiful, wonderful things. But I actually think there's more to it. I think there's a deeper way in which God wants to call us to. And my fears is that we sell ourselves short, that I can like, my thing is when sports teams wins, win championships, it's nerdy, I know, but how do, like, I know that who won the NBA championship off the top of my head in like 1989 or, you know, who won the Stanley Cup in 2003 and yet sometimes I can't get into this way of knowing Jesus through the scriptures. Let's not sell ourselves short. But it's not only learning for this community. You actually see, this community was actually really generous. Throw it up. This community was really, really generous. So there's this guy named Agabus who comes to the church because there's a famine in Jerusalem and the automatic reaction for this community, well, let's read it. Uh, next one, is that okay? It says this, verse 29, the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea 
They, this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And so you see here, not only were they learners, but this community was like uber generous. Agabus comes, we need money. You know what's interesting about this is the church in Jerusalem, it's fascinating, was where this whole thing started. The church in Jerusalem were the powerful ones, and there's this famine that's come, and Agabus comes, and right away you see that this church responds in a way that's just purely generous. Now, Look, look, look what happens. The disciples, listen, there was no coercion, no trying to get them, get, get them to do something they didn't want to do. What did they do? They each gave as what? As each one was able. Each of these in the community gave with no pressure, but they were just ready to go. They were this learning community, and they were this generous community. And they knew, because of their practices, how to respond to Agabus because they had cultivated certain values within the community, and one of these things was generosity. And this is what we're trying to do. Not just be a learning community, but a community. Like uh, six weeks ago, this immediate need at ArcAid, and within a week, I think something like $1,200 comes into the community to buy food wrap and different supplies for ArcAid. This is the type of people... You know, sometimes we get weird about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works. That is how the Holy Spirit works. Are you with me? A people that are learning, and not only that, just really open-handed to the people around them. And this is the kind of community that we want to be. But you keep reading. So they were learners. They were generous. And then this. They practiced the communal disciplines of serving, fasting, prayer. These were practiced people. I know they're a new church, but they are actually living out the way of Jesus through communal dis disciplines. So the Spirit's word came to the church, it says, when they were worshiping. Now for a lot of us, worshiping, I think in our frame, kind of, we think of Hillsong or Bethel songs on repeat, and that is worship. You with me? It's interesting that the interchange of words for worship in the New Testament is service that they were, the way in which they were worshiping, so they weren't just singing songs, which is beautiful, but they were actually serving each other. That This word service is actually the word we get for ministry. We also see that they were fasting, that they were fasting as a community, setting aside and abstaining for a greater awareness of God in their lives. And this is what they're doing. They were worshiping and fasting, and they were praying together. And so, brothers and sisters, it is no mistake that this would be the type of community, are you saying, you're, some of you are probably thinking, are you saying that I, like, what we do actually matters? That is what I'm saying. That's exact, can you just nod your head with me behind the mask? That is, I am convinced, I am not one of these, listen, we are saved by grace through faith, but my sense in the whole regathering of the church is we could sit around and go, well, God, we just want you to work through us. The church in Antioch was practicing these practices together and then God used them within that. It's not a mistake that actually us moving and working in these things together is the way in which the Spirit works. This is what John Levison, this is what he says of this whole unfolding. Next slide, he says this. Food truck is coming if you put it up, bro. I'm telling you, it's coming. He says the whole of these qualities, a commitment to learning, a commitment to generosity, a multicultural church and leadership team, along with the communal practices of worshiping and fasting and prayer, 
is, a greater sum, uh, is greater than the sum of its parts. Together, these qualities transformed Antioch into a source of favor and grace. The church was a conduit of the grace of God, a spring of hospitality, a place Paul and Barnabas would naturally return to when their work was done and, as Luke puts it, stay there for some time. And then he goes on and says this. The church in Antioch was the starting point for a full-fledged mission of the church to the Gentiles. This is what happened. And my prayer as I read about this church is for our own community, and this would be the heart of our leaders as well, is that the soil of this community would be ready for the spirit of God to move, especially as we regather. That the soil here, you know, one of the questions we have to ask is, am I prepared for the Holy Spirit to work through me? I think that's all, not in a freaky way, not in a way that's out there, but honestly, as this is kind of, I hope, you know, as we've tried to gather in moments past in the last year, and it seems like by Wednesday there's harder lockdowns. Our hope is that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And what a question to ask. Am I prepared for the Spirit to work in and through me? Am I prepared and are we prepared as a church for the Spirit to work within us? It takes learning, takes generosity and being open and generous with our lives, and it takes these practices together. And so that's what I want to call us to. And this is really uh, no, this is not disconnected from our church's vision. We want to be a practicing community. We have a very intentional way of living this out. But this is a deeper call for us. And so what I want you to do, just where you are, Mike's going to come back. We're going to take five minutes just to close and respond. Normally we would come to the tables, but would you just take a moment with me in this moment? Would you just ask the Spirit, Holy Spirit, move and work through me. Work in us. God, our prayer is to be the kind of people that would just be open and postured. And as we sing tonight and as we celebrate and as we eat together, and obviously this is all distance, but God, I just... I pray that you would come into your church and you'd breathe new life. Help us not just to be people that want things or say things, but God, I pray that we would be the type of people that would put action behind our hopes and desires. And so for some of us in this room, it just, it means a deeper sense of learning. Maybe we know the canon of Star Wars or Harry Potter's genogram, but we just feel tonight, God, that you want to call us into a deeper sense of learning. For some of us, it's just generous, opening our lives and being generous. For others of us, it's these things that create resistance and resilience in our lives, things like fasting and prayer and community, these things. Do them in us, I pray. Do this work within us. Do this work within us. Would you stand with me and let's...